Welcome back to another episode of Life, Death, and Cookies. Welcome to our five uh, people who watch us. We appreciate your support. Where would we be without you? Probably just doing a conference call. <laughs> but here we are. My name is Oliver Tanner. I'm Char Tanner. And today we are going to be talking about genetic testing and specifically if you should get your children tested. So we'll cover a little bit about if you should get tested and this may end up being a two-part episode there's kind of a lot of information in here and we're not sure exactly where to split it yeah so we may just kind of go until we're like ah, out of time and then we'll have to continue on later we'll see how this goes let's dive right into it since we got so much to cover so what is genetic testing i guess is the first question to answer yeah genetic testing is a medical test that identifies changes in genes, chromosomes, or proteins. Um, the test can confirm or rule out genetic conditions or help determine your chances of developing or passing on a genetic disorder. Um, the testing is usually done by blood or saliva sample. Uh, blood is usually the more accurate results. Okay, and most people would think, now most people when they would think of genetic testing, I think, would think of either one, stuff you see in movies where there's a crime scene, you get some DNA and then uh, you either make uh, new dinosaurs out of it or you like can tell everything about a person and maybe even make a clone of them, I don't know. Or uh, they think of stuff like the ancestry DNA things that have become so popular. Well, or like paternity tests. Oh, right, or paternity tests. Yeah. That's, that's another one. Okay. So those are kinds of the kind of the things that most people would, I think, probably think of. Mm -hmm. So how is this different from, why couldn't you just go to 23andMe and get your genetic testing done? So as we were talking about off camera, 23andMe is more, I we don't know, we haven't done the research into it, but it's, I think, more of like, if you have a predisposition, and it's not medically accurate, it's more of for fun. Right, well, so I think that kind of really the answer that uh, maybe we want is your genes are freaking huge. I mean, there's a lot of information yeah. in your genes. And anytime you go with any of these other popularized forms of genetic testing like the 23andMe or any of that kind of stuff they're taking a very narrow look yeah. at just a few of your genes and this kind of genetic testing how is this different from that so well it depends like when I got my genetic testing they we already knew because my mom got genetically tested um, okay. what what specific gene they were looking for so my mom when she went and got hers she did a whole panel where they looked at all the possible genes that could cause heart problems. Right. Um, so that one was a lot more in depth, a lot more time, you know, if you paid out of pocket, well, no matter who's paying for it, a lot more expensive. If you have a certain type of condition and they're like, they want to see if it's genetically connected to other people, then they can do, like if you have no other person in your family that ha that you already know the gene you're looking for, they, mm -hmm. there's like, they called it the cardiac panel, I believe for my mom. So they're looking out the same thing like. So even then they're still limiting what they're looking for by saying, look, we see this one symptom, this one trait, and we're just gonna look for everything that might have something to do with that trait. And then they looked at those genes. So even this is not the thing you see in the movies where it's like, ah, now we see everything about so you. So you could, I w you know, as I was looking into this, you could get the everything. Right. That's going to be, ex you know, you can see all the things that you could maybe be predisp predisposed to. Right. Um, but it's really unnecessary. Right. Um, and create. I'm sure it's extraordinarily expensive yes, as well. Yes, very expensive. And when you get into insurance, and I was gonna, we're going to talk about this later, is insurance is only going to cover it if there's a reason. Right. Uh, just like, I mean, anytime insurance is involved. And we'll also talk about later that, um, you know, you can 
go around the insurance and get this done of your own volition. Right. But, but so your mom, she went in just looking for anything connected to heart. Yes. And then as soon as they identified the gene, now the test that you did, was, correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was just looking for just that gene. Yes. So correct? we had it identified. So I had the paperwork. So we had identified the gene. And when they sent it to the lab, they were only looking for that one thing. Right. And, and same and with that. that kept the cost down yes, yes and made it easier to get insurance to pay yes. right so so kind of what i'm getting at is you know sometimes there's misconceptions about genetic testing like your mom's was really expensive and so everybody you know when you try and approach people later on about genetic testing they might think oh well you know uh judy holy cow, do you know how much money she spent for that thing? I don't have money for that. Are you kidding me? Or, yeah, but, but the thing that's important to understand is that that was kind of a one-time thing because it was just identifying mm -hmm. the gene that was needed. So then everybody else's after that one time should be way cheaper, way easier. Is yes, that correct? That is correct. And, and normal primary care doctors may not even understand this. They may not understand this as well. We had so many problems. Oh, I guess I'll just talk about it right now. Okay. So with the kids, um, so even though I tested positive, um, the insurance was no problem me getting, well, I went through my genetic counselor. My genetic counselor was is awesome. Um, and she ended up having to help us with the kids because when we went through the primary care doctor for the kids to get it, the insurance flat out denied it to, right. to cover it. And we're like, I, we already have, my mom so had it. So what was the justification for flat out denying it? They, they, I don't remember, but, but when I talked to my genetic counselor, she's like, well, sometimes you have to use the right wording. And so we sent it to the primary care and it was a mess. And anyway, we ended up just, my primary, my genetic counselor's like, send me the information, I'll send them off. And then she knew how to do it because she does it, does it right. probably every day. She deals with the system. She yeah. understands the system. So if you need help, if you're needy, contact me because I know, <laughs> I know how to help you. Um, you know, and getting, getting a genetic counselor involved is probably, although I've heard some genetic counselors aren't very helpful. Mine was phenomenal and I still every once in a while email her if I have a question about things and um, like when I was talking about getting help for my aunts and uncles and she's like oh yeah if you need any help let me know you know and she they're invested in it she works under a geneticist that um, actually studies my gene okay so, so hold on I'm, I'm gonna pump the brakes here okay. a little bit because I, I feel like maybe we're bouncing a, around okay. a little bit like a super ball okay because I don't want to confuse anybody who's listening who maybe might be actually looking for getting their own genetic testing done. Okay. Yeah. So say there's uh, there's a problem that you see, you notice, oh, this thing runs in the family. That was the story in your family. Yes. Right? The story in your family was, oh, well, heart problems just run in our family. Mm -hmm. um, if something runs in your family then odds are there's probably some kind of a genetic link to it is uh, what I think. Otherwise, how could it run in your family? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, you know, there's probably some type of a genetic link uh, if it's a thing that, quote unquote, runs in your family. All right. So, okay. So we identify the thing and then identifying that gene okay so somebody's going to have to do the work to get the uh, get the gene identified right my understanding is that it's going to have to be somebody who is pretty clearly suffering from the thing that runs in the family in order for insurance doctors etc to approve it correct like if your mom wasn't suffering oh yeah then they wouldn't have done it no correct no all right so somebody has to be suffering from the condition that runs in the family mm -hmm. right so step one identify the thing that runs in your family step two 
find somebody who's currently dealing with it and suffering from it and try to get uh, genetic testing for that person. Step three, if you are connected to that person, then you probably first thing you're going to want to do is get a genetic counselor. Is, is that right? Um, I want to know where the genetic, because we're talking about genetic counselors, right? Mm -hmm. And we're kind of throwing in a whole bunch of stuff here. And I don't want to confuse people. I want for anybody who's listening who wants to get help to know, okay, this is what I got to do, and this is what I can do, and this is what comes next. So you don't have to have a genetic counselor but it's probably going to be easier if you have one. Okay. That's, that would be the advice. So if you're going to pursue get, getting a genetic counselor, would, I'm assuming that after you have that person who's confirmed to have it, that would be your next step before trying to get tested, is try to get a genetic counselor. Yes. Correct? Okay. So then, you know, try to get a genetic counselor and then talk to your genetic counselor about the testing. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a genetic counselor, then you're going to have to go through what your PCM? Yeah, or uh, yeah. Your, your primary care doctor. Yeah. Right? And so and then you're going to have to try to convince that yeah. doctor and the insurance. And this is the big area where it's especially in your case, genetic counselor was actually really helpful. Yes. Right? And so yeah, I just want to make sure that we have a very clear process for people to follow so they can get their own help. Okay, so uh, I hope that we clarified that for everybody. Um, if you have a problem, I want you to get whatever help you can for that problem. All right, so anyway, let's go back to talking about, uh, now we can go back to the Super Bowl bouncing around uh, my genetic counselor was great. My geneticist, so I saw mm -hmm. a genetic counselor and the geneticist in the same appointment. Mm -hmm. And um, I keep... Well, and we just got lucky. The geneticist who, who was studying your genes specifically just happened to be there. Yeah. So we got really lucky. Yes. So it might be hard to, like, just because something runs in your family doesn't mean there's a genetic test for it. Right. Because things, I, for my gene... Uh, so my mom was initially diagnosed with idiopathic um, familial cardio no, no. idiopathic idiopathic cardiomyopathy yeah dilated cardiomyopathy okay Sorry. um and then later she was diagnosed with familial oh okay um they changed it because they didn't uh, and a lot of times idiopathic previously becomes familial um and yeah. Anybody who knows anything, when they heard me say familial, when you said idiopathic, probably uh, just thought, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> so, sorry about that, guys. No, no. But just to say, you know, my mom started having her heart, heart problems um, back in the 80s. Testing for the lambda gene was not invented till I believe, 1999. Okay. So... Idiopathic was the proper thing at the time to right. call it. Right. Um, and then, um, so then my mom tested positive. Well, you know, she did the full cardiac panel. She right. tested positive for one of the gene mutations, Lamna. Right. Uh, and so that, for our gene, anyway, I, I think it's different. I don't know a lot about genetics. It's very interesting to me. But um, for our gene, it is a dominant gene. So you have uh, all of that means since my mom tested positive, all of her siblings and all of her children have a 50% chance of um, having that gene right. mutation. In inheriting, inheriting it, the yes. gene. Right. Same as you have a 50% chance of getting anything from either you know any yes. gene from your parents right but i think there are some things you, that are like half of your genetic that. material comes from your mother half of it comes from your father um but this is a gene so you know it's that 50 50 uh -huh. half mother half father uh balance right but this gene is one that is never recessive yes yes and that's the thing so that if you happen to get that part 
in your half from your mother, mm -hmm. then you've got it. Yeah. If you have it, you have it. There's, yeah. there's no other way around it. So there's other things that you may get tested for and have a recessive. I don't, I don't get in it, but like you would only, maybe you would have it as a recessive gene, but your children would only get it if your spouse. Right. My uh, understanding, and I could be wrong, but my understanding is that's generally how type one diabetes works. Okay. It tends to skip a generation and is generally passed through daughters, not through sons. Um, so I how do you I don't get fully understand for diabetes? That. Is that, um, is it a genetic test? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think that, I'm, I'm sure that there probably is a way that you could be genetically tested, but if you have type one diabetes, Generally, that's going to manifest at some point uh, earlier in your life. Like most people with type 1 diabetes, from what I know, don't have it show up in their 40s. Yeah. It shows up in their teens. Like my dad was a teenager. Both of his brothers were teenagers, mm -hmm. right, when they were all diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, mm -hmm. right? Most other people that I hear of with type 1, that's how it goes. So... I mean, I'm sure that they probably could be genetically tested and told, oh, yeah, yeah, you have the gene. Um, but what's the point at, at that point, right? And so, I don't know, maybe uh, me and my siblings, if there were a genetic test for type 1 diabetes, maybe it would be good for all of us to be tested so we could know if we were if potential carriers uh. of that gene to... Uh, you know, pass it on to our offspring. So I don't know, maybe there is a precedent for something like that. Honestly, I, I don't know about diabetes. Yeah. So my mom had eight kids. Right. And four of us re got inherited the gene and four of us didn't. But that's right. not a percentage that matters. Each of us individually, even though that's 50% of us, right. each of us individually have a 50% I think chance. your family just took things way too literally. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. but really, and I, um, my brother actually that died, um, he didn't actually ever get tested, and so he's only, in science terms, mm -hmm. he's only suspected of having. Right, right, but pretty much he had it. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're going to talk about that and why it's so important to actually get tested because of. Right. The, well, you know, I just thought of something, and you know. Maybe this is a bigger indicator for, you know, maybe your family was like way too literal with it all. And our family, you know, we have four kids, three of them have it. I think we're all just overachievers. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, so yeah, so, and then because I tested positive and any of my other siblings that tested positive, all of our kids have a 50% chance of um inheriting it and like oliver just said three of the four of our children have tested positive for it and then just for my gene and this isn't the case of any if you could test positive for things but for my gene um the current research um is that you have a 75 to 100 percent chance of those who carry the gene to actually have that gene manifest and have problems. And there are variations of um, how severe it might be. I, I'm in a support group, I think I mentioned before, and some of the people, um, they've had parents that, you know, did live to 75 and not have like, but it's very right. rare, but, rare. But, 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 and this is, this I think is the biggest thing. This is what the geneticist told us that first day when we met with your genetic counselor, we talked to him as well, and he said, look, this thing can manifest in a bunch of different ways, but, and this was the most important thing, the way that it manifests in one family could be different from another family, but when it manifests in a family, it tends to manifest in the exact same way in everybody in that family yeah and so 
you know, I, I just want to point that out because just because some other family, you know, people lived into their 70s, that doesn't mean anything for your family. Yeah. What's uh, important is how does it act within your family group, mm-hmm. right? You might be able to relate to experiences of other people who have the same gene. And, you know, so this is the lamina gene. But I suspect that you would probably find the same thing happening with almost any other genetic mutation. That there are various ways that it can affect your body. And I I suspect that that's largely due to the rest of your body chemistry, Mm. right? And so this mutation kind of plays off of everything else and i don't think that this mutation is uh sometimes i think we make it uh too simplified right it's oh it's this one thing it's just one gene uh but i don't know i think there's a lot more connected to it that's my personal belief and um what we do know from the geneticist is that it can manifest in many different ways. But like what we see in your family, we don't see anybody living into their 70s who has this. It's very clear what we actually see, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, And even down to uh, some things that are clearly observable that are not life-ending, right? Like, what was it that you guys always talked about with your mom and feet right and people in your family nobody can walk around barefoot right yeah because uh it hurts and your feet always look really skinny right and so it was looking at that and looking at there was this facial structure and there was this um physical appearance that seemed like uncannily familiar from one person to the next over multiple generations. Yeah. Right? People looked almost exactly the same. That, that's not normal. There's a lot of variation in your genes. That, that shouldn't be happening normally. And so it was all that kind of stuff that led me to researching and seeing a connection to familial partial lipodystrophy, which was taking away the fat that should have been padding the bottom of your foot, right? And other parts of your body, skinny hands right skinny lower legs was another one of those things no butt fat (laughs) weird looking butts uh i didn't really know that we were going there today but hey welcome to our life folks um just saying i can't sit on hard seats yeah (laughs) so you know and then um some other extra fat deposits in some other areas like in the cheeks right which creates that facial structure and that facial appearance and so that's kind of what lipodystrophy is it's a lack of fat in some areas and a little bit excess in other areas Mm -hmm. right and so you know these genes can really affect people in a whole variety of ways but again this goes to the it manifests the same way in the same family group Mm -hmm. and this is one of the big reasons why i always say uh, especially with your family hey if you look like this set of people your prognosis i mean i i don't have a diagnosis to give you i can't tell you whether you have the genetic mutation or not but you should really probably seriously consider getting tested you should i mean i would even go so far as to say you might as well just count yourself as probably having the yeah. mutation. Uh, and that's just But again, me. that's why it's so important to actually get tested because it's in the medical field, in the science world, you're only, even if you have the all of the symptoms, you're only suspected of having it right. unless there's actual scientific proof. Right. And that's another reason why, you know, when we do the genetic history, a lot of times, uh, like when we did ours, so we made a list of all the people who had similar symptoms, right? And the people who had the same facial structures and all that kind of stuff. We put all those people on there, but we could not put them on there as confirmed for having uh, the lamina gene mutation. 
Why? Because we can't go exhume their bodies, and that's what it would take to genetically yeah, and test it, them. Yeah, and it might become a problem for my brother's kids to get the permission because he never got... I mean, he probably won't, Right. but it could become right. a barrier to actually getting test to getting like uh, through insurance getting that approved because it wasn't ever confirmed right i think that he probably could get there it's yeah. probably just going to take a lot more work yeah i mean because it gets into that realm of well okay most likely but not confirmed and that's the thing when you're dealing with doctors when you're dealing with scientists um the only thing they're gonna say yep okay, that's good to go, are things that can actually be confirmed and tested, which is a good thing, but sometimes it's not really enough for a person trying to live their life, and sometimes you got to insert a little bit of your own logic and a little bit of common sense as well yeah. when uh, looking at these things, right? It's like with your family, we say we've got about five generations of history of people with this genetic mutation we don't have medical or scientific yeah. confirmation of that we have common sense and we have logic and we have hey i know how to play connect the dots well yeah it's really not that hard but we can't say with 100 percent certainty and this is the limitation of medicine and science in all of this it's really interesting though my mom's um cousin once removed mm -hmm. i believe that's who she she also she was able to get tested okay. even though there was no she didn't she was having her own heart problems she was able to get tested but she came back with the same gene so we know that so we're pretty sure it comes from well yeah it comes from my mom's dad and that his dad had it because you know, because they, a cousin had it as well. Yes. So it would have to go at And again, this is connect the dots. Yeah. Right? Logic. Even if science can't necessarily 100% put the rubber stamp on it. Yeah. So, you know, I guess this is more like personalized stuff. But it's really, it's interesting to us. And hopefully... It might no. be helpful for... Hopefully we haven't bored you to yeah. talking about all this but, stuff. Yeah, so we wanted to talk about reasons. You know, we've kind of talked a lot about the genetic testing and um, what it is and what it's testing for, how to get a genetic counselor, all this stuff. But we haven't really gotten to the real meat of what we wanted to talk about today, which is getting your children tested. Okay, so, you know, when considering whether or not you would get your children tested, for some people it might be kind of obvious. Of course we want to get our children tested. We yeah. don't want our children to go through life blindly. Um, but not everybody thinks that way, right? Yeah. And there are some reasons why people would choose not to get... So it's not really quite so obvious. Yeah, well, and I think it depends on the situation, too, as whether, um, you know, in our family, you know, where there's the the actual genetic, you know, you can see the genetics. In mm -hmm. other families, it would be different. But even in our family, you know, where it's obviously, we well, we have proof that there's a genetic connection. Right. Um, it's even then, it's still not obvious because there's so many things. So many, it's not cut and dry. There's so many things that go into whether you would do it or not. And, um, okay. But we're going to talk about that more next week in that episode. So, so we are going to split this in half. Yes, yes. Because we are running low on time and we still have a lot more yeah, to talk yeah. about. What are we going to continue to cover? Well, I just wanted to mention right here. Um, so we'll continue to cover. I just wanted to mention first about newborn screening. So there are actually... A newborn's genetic screening that I didn't even know hap it's been happening since late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Um, and, you know, each state, they're similar things, but the states choose. They do these newborn genetic screenings, blood tests of your, of your baby and of your newborn. Right. And it tests for certain things like um, 
in Kansas, I looked up, they do like congenital hypothyroidism, cystic fibrosis, maple syrup, urine disease, and sickle cell disease. So is this in any way similar or connected to, you know, like when you were pregnant with Olivia, I remember them talking about, oh, well, we can uh, test to see if uh, the baby has Down syndrome or any of these other kinds of things where they would, I believe they would do a genetic test, taking a sample of, I could have this wrong, but I thought it was maybe umbilical blood, like basically sticking a big needle into your tummy to get this sample of some kind of material that would tell them the genes of the baby so no so i think they have an updated version of that now because my um niece just recently had a baby and she had the test and it probably is more closely related to this but back when it was olivia it was just for like big things like that I remember, it was just for like Down syndrome. And this okay. doesn't, the newborn screening doesn't, I mean, if your kid has, comes out and has Down syndrome, it's gonna be pretty obvious from the look of it. This is, these are things that you're not maybe gonna see right away, but they're things that, my understanding, they're things like I just listed those things, can be serious and lead to death if they're not found, they, they have a better, as far as thriving or for the baby to thrive, those things can hinder thriving of the baby or cause death if they aren't found early, even right. if there's no symptoms. So these are okay. things that they test for. So it's, I believe it's different than... Right. So then they wouldn't necessarily test for lamna no. with anything like this. Maybe even if you ask them to. I don't know. See, I do know when we went to see the genetic counselor, she, they told us that if we planned on having any more kids, we could come and see them and they would tell us our options. And they also, okay. um, when I did, I did a genetic counselor, this was all during COVID. Um, I did a genetic counselor with the, with, for the kids and they said the same thing. If they ever decide to have children, genetic counselor and they'll give you the options and just probably counsel you on the likelihood of your children maybe before you want to try and get pregnant whether you would want to get pregnant at all you know both things right, that right 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 we won't get into our opinions about that right. At, right now we may in the future i don't know because we've never gone through that part of the genetic counseling but the one thing that uh you know and this is kind of a through line for us uh with all of this just because you have this genetic mutation, just because you're facing a shortened life, just because you have from, from birth had basically a death sentence, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't live a good life oh, yeah. or live an enjoyable life or a life that's worth that's, living. Yeah, that's what this podcast is about. Oh well, yeah, it is. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, you know, when you bring up things like, well, you know, before you have any more kids, yeah. here are your options. That's kind of the thing that comes up. Um, if you're really seriously talking about, oh, do we even want to have kids and pass on this thing? This thing does not necessarily mean that life is terrible or not worth living. Yeah. So that's actually, so they probably could in... Um, you know, where they take the amniotic fluid, they right. probably could test for lamina if you got it ordered. Okay. And you could know before they're born, but it's not part of the newborn screening to answer your question. Okay. They wouldn't do, it's more of, they have a set things and, you know, and it's paid for either by your insurance or some states pay for it because they feel like it's important enough or whatever. So they wouldn't do anything so specified as testing for lamna in the newborn screening that you could have it ordered by a genetic counselor prior to birth, I'm sure, and as a newborn, but it would not be part of the panel of things that they automatically do in their newborn screening. So then I guess maybe as part of the discussion about is it worth 
is life worth living even with this thing? I think that that's a good segue into uh, your reactions from our kids, right? Yeah. So you talk to our kids mainly about getting tested, but I don't know, did you get kind of a little bit of a reaction on just how they feel about having the mutation at all? A little bit. It was really basic. And then I got the idea as I was talking to Olivia and she had like quite a bit to say and I couldn't keep up. I'm like, we should just have you on Olivia and do interview you because, you know, Olivia's 19. So she has. Yeah. Um, and she's known since she was 15 that she has the genetic mutation. Okay. Um, so she's had a lot of time to think about it and she's, you know, a pretty thoughtful young lady. So she had a lot of good things to say. It's not really, it wasn't, I didn't go into too much depth, but I thought it would be a good idea to later go into depth with each of them. Okay. So I guess we'll start with Olivia. And I asked, um, are you glad that you got tested? Okay. And she said, yes, I'm glad I got tested. And I said, why? (laughs) And she said, it gives you an expectation for the future. Uh, I think it gives you more time to process it rather than she said it rather than waiting till you're having symptoms. Right. The not knowing, like, you know, we, like she said, we were, um, we talked about it as a family and like, she would probably have it. Right. Uh-huh. But, um, the not knowing could drive you crazy. Okay. You know, that, uh, uncertainty. So it's better to just know the answer to take it and process it in your own time. So she was 15 when she got tested and I asked her if she felt that was a good age or if she would have preferred earlier or later. And she said she was glad that it, she got it while she was a kid rather than as an adult. Okay. Um, and she said sooner would have been fine too. She didn't really mention, I guess we can ask her when right. we interview her. Um, she didn't really mention if she thought there was a too young age. Well, but even when uh, she got tested, it wasn't very long after you yeah. actually got tested. It was probably a year, year and a half. Yeah, so, so we really couldn't have even done it too much earlier with yeah. her anyway. That's true, yes. Um, but I was just, you know, for the audience. Right, right, that, right, right, right. Because another question that we're going to address probably next week is, if you do get tested and they test positive, when you should tell your kids, you know, because if you did a newborn screening and find out, oh yeah, they have it, yeah, you know, at what point would you tell them? Probably as soon as they can talk. <laughs> just tell them, hey, you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. well that's No, something... I'm just kidding, no, don't that's... do that. No. Bad but, idea. But that's a good segue into what some of what Dominic said. Okay. So um, Dominic, uh, he was 13 when he got tested and found out he tested positive. He's now 17. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, yes, I'm glad I got tested. I said, asked him why. And he said, now I can plan for the future and for my future family. You know, okay. we, he says, I think my age was a good age. Sooner would have been fine. He thinks older would have been worse. Okay. When, but he did say, re- related to what you said, when talking about death, don't talk about it in depressing ways. Look for ways to be hopeful and optimistic. Okay. Um, so basically, he was having a hard time voicing what he's saying, but basically, you know, he later said, talk about the things that are still good in your life. Make sure you're calm when you talk about it, and don't talk about it as a horrible thing. That'll make it, that, that would make it worse. Right. So, right. Know, so think... try to keep an optimistic mm-hmm. view of it. And this is kind of, I think that, really, I think he's kind of framing how we've tried to talk yes. to them Well, you know, about that's kind of how he, his brain works, so. Right. If you're just kind of new, he is on the autism spectrum, and I think that he does have kind of a challenge expressing Yeah, some but of he's these good at taking. Sometimes. I think he does understand things, though. He does, he is good, he is good at regurgitating, but I think. He does understand things. He just, like you said, doesn't yeah. know how to. Well, yeah, I'm not saying it. he doesn't understand, but it's just the expression of yeah, it yeah. that he has a challenge with. Yeah, you know, we have tried to take all of this with our kids and say, uh, all right, you know what? So you got it? Fine, you got it. Whatever. We can't change that. But what we can change is how we live with it and what we do with it. Yeah. And sounds, I mean, hey. 
hooray, Dominic is paying attention. <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's always nice to learn that your kids are paying attention yeah. and listening to what you're saying. Yeah. And that's what it's, that's what I hear in there is it sounds like he's paying attention and learning from what we've been talking to him. About. Yeah. I was glad that I had the idea to ask them, even though I want to have them all on now. And I asked, oh, Lindy's next because she's the next oldest. And I was right. like, Lindy, will you come on? Because she's been very hesitant. And I did get her to say that she would in a future episode. And I said, we would give you the questions ahead of time. That's what she's worried about is not being prepared. So, okay. so anyway, that's the side point. So, so Lind- you have Lindy to look forward to in a future episode. Yeah. So um, Olive- Lindy was 11 when she was tested, and she's now 13. Um, and she is the only one that tested negative. And yep. when I asked her if she was glad she got it tested, she actually paused for probably a minute thinking. <laughs> Everyone else was yes Yeah. right away. And, and I said... And she said, half and half, I'm glad I got tested. And I asked her why it was half and half. And she said, with being tested and knowing that I will live and no one else else will, it is a lot sadder. But it's good to be able to prepare for it. Yeah. So uh, prepare for the fact that she'll lose all of her siblings. It's now that she knows she doesn't have it, she can prepare to have a full life. Right. I know Lindy struggles a lot with the fact that she's the only one that doesn't have him. But we'll save that conversation when we can talk to her. But, you know, um, being in the same boat as Lindy, I will say that for me, I'm glad that everybody's tested. And partly um, because, yes, I want to be able to have an accurate plan for my life, right? I want to be able to plan my life and live a full life. But I also want to make sure that I don't lose opportunities because I just push them off thinking, ah, there'll be time later. Mm-hmm. Oh, there'll be, oh no, there's plenty of time for that. I don't want to have, uh, I don't want to look back one day and have a whole brain full of regrets because we ran out of time because I wasn't paying attention. You know, and so, um, I don't know, I think that that reflects in kind of the things that I do and choose that I'm trying to take a hold of opportunities while they're here. And I think that knowing maybe makes it, I don't know, maybe makes the realization of that a little bit more real. Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, put some meat into that effort to not waste time, not waste opportunities, you know. Okay, so... So, I don't know, maybe Lindy and I will have a conversation about that on here. Joseph is now 11, and he found out when he was 9 that, well, he got tested and that he um, tested positive. Mm. And he was, I'll just put on a side note, he was the most shock to us. Oh, yeah. I was not um, shocked at all that Dominic tested positive. Uh, he has always looked more like you. Mm-hmm. I had hopes that Olivia would not test positive. Um, but she was starting to look more and more like you. And it was kind of getting to that point where I was like, okay, not really a huge surprise. Joseph, uh, like his whole life when he's he was little, you. he was like my mini me. Yeah. You know, and he and Lindy had this running battle between them who was more like daddy i thought so my two oldest are they're gonna die but you know at least i'll have lindy and joseph yeah and so yeah that was kind of a big uh shock to me and i was not very happy uh when yeah joseph tested we were positive. expecting that both of them would test yeah we, we were expecting both of them to test negative and so lindy coming back negative i was like yeah okay that's what i thought and then Joseph, it was kind of like, hold on, this this isn't how it's supposed to work. Yeah. But anyway, that was a sidetrack. Uh, so, but he said, yes, I'm glad I got tested. And he said, it's why is because it's better to know than to not know. Um, then I can be prepared for the future instead of finding out really late and not knowing what is going on. 
And I think, you know, Joseph's still 11. Yeah. I think there's still a lot of time that he's going to process this. And maybe all of everybody, I think that there's room for people's perceptions and reflections on all this to change as time goes on. Yeah. You know, I guess I kind of already said it. I'm glad that we got everybody tested. I realize that there are challenges, and we discussed all those challenges a lot before we decided to oh, get yeah. them tested. Overall, I think it's better to know. And one of the things that I think is, I don't know, maybe this is my idealistic brain talking. Maybe, I don't know. But I look at all these different challenges. I look at kind of the cons of, uh, the pros and the cons of being tested that we're going to talk about next week. The way I look at it is knowing we can fight this together. Right? Maybe we can't fight the thing existing. Yeah. That's, that's there. Whether we like it or not, it exists. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Right? But what we can do is we can fight to overcome those obstacles together. And we can work together to create the best outcomes possible within the limitations. And there are severe limitations within the limitations that we have. I'm glad that we got our kids tested uh, for the sake of knowing, for the sake of life planning, and for the sake of, I think it maybe gives us something that we can pull closer together as a family with, you know? It gives us something that we can all work together, and I I want to help, you know, uh, whatever the challenges are that I'm avoiding talking about because they're for next week, (laughs) right? We can, uh, I don't know the answers to the challenges right now. I just know that we all stand the best chance if we work together. Yeah, and I actually, and I'll get into this obviously more next week, but I have more mixed feelings about it, um, but I do I do lean towards more how you feel about it. I just, I think because, I don't know. Yeah, I just have more mixed feelings about it than probably you have. Our challenge for this week is to remind you to whatever platform you're looking, you're listening or watching to, to click the follow button. Um, and then so that you can get notified when each episode drops. And uh, also, if you could leave if, us... If, you're, if you don't want to click the follow button, uh, you can also just know Tuesday. Yeah. Every Tuesday. Yeah. It's every Tuesday there's a new episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we've been we, consistent. We've only missed we've one week. We've made sure to be consistent. And we, I think we informed people yes. the week before, the one week that we missed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other challenge, uh, this is a, this is going to be a challenge that uh, I'm going to want to do for a while. So, you know, we have our list of topics that we uh, are covering and that we want to cover. And we still have plenty to talk about, yeah. right? But we also, you know, we said this right at the beginning of the whole thing. Uh, that we want this to be a long-form conversation. Well, so far, it's just pretty much been pretty one-sided. We're the only ones doing the talking. Uh, But I want to give you guys the chance to talk. And so uh, we'll ask you, uh, please go to our Facebook page. Just look up Life, Death, and Cookies on Facebook. You'll find us. Go to our Facebook page and comment... um, any questions that you have for us. We want to do, uh, periodically, we want to do question and answer uh, episodes where we basically just take your questions and we work through them. Uh, Whatever you guys want to know could be about anything at all, really. You want to ask us about our lives. You want to ask us about uh, cookies. You want to ask us about serious stuff, uh, like, you know, the stuff that we talk about. All of it, I think, is open game. The point is to have a conversation. Eventually, we are going to get our uh, website set up so that we can continue that conversation long form on that website. Mm -hmm. But for now, please go to Facebook and ask us a question. 
And as soon as we have enough questions from people, we will answer all the questions. Yeah. So uh, for this week's cookie, uh, we have an experiment uh, from Lindy. Lindy is, we actually, so we homeschool our kids, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Lindy, we have her working on a long-term project for homeschool. A lot of Lindy's homeschooling revolves around baking. Mm -hmm. And I've been kind of focusing, trying to train her the stuff that I know. Um, and not just like home baking, but like real professional level baking is yeah. what we're trying to uh, train her with. Her long-term project is to write a cookie cookbook. Yeah. Right? And so a lot of that has a lot of developing that means developing new recipes and experimentation. So these are an experiment on an oatmeal cookie. She's supposed to be trying to find my favorite cookie because I don't have a favorite cookie, but I love oatmeal raisin, but we wanted to... We wanted to do something different. And so these, so this is oatmeal. Uh, it has no raisins, mm -hmm. has dried blueberries, has uh, what... It has some pecans, right? Yeah, they got chopped up a little bit too much. And okay. Oh, I think I actually got a ginger. I had uh, her do crystallized ginger. So some crystallized ginger, Ooh. blueberries, pecans, and then you wanted extra nutmeg in yes. there. So I love the flavor of the cookie. It tastes like eating a bowl of oatmeal. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there needs to be more mix-ins. Flavor, I think, is pretty good mm -hmm. the spices do need a little bit of balancing out but i think that the blueberries do work uh, pretty well in there i don't know in my opinion i think that maybe um future iterations either go with the ginger or go with the blueberries so until next time we will leave you with our motto for this channel uh, memento mori uscuergo vivere which is Remember, you will die. Until then, live. Have a good week, everybody. See you next time.